0: Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, national multi-racial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first, advocate embracing change and differences, and second, encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Well, my guest today is someone I haven't met live, but I've been interacting with virtually for, oh, over a year now. And um, COVID creates interesting relationships. My guest today is Kim Sorrell. Kim and I have been uh, working together in an online training for authors, among other people. In an effort to promote our books, because both Kim and I are published authors. Thank you very much. Seriously, Kim did me a kindness, and I was kind of taken off guard because she knows me in the group, but she doesn't know me like people you expect people who know you to treat you. And I told her what I was trying to do. In connection with promoting my book and getting the book's message out to those people who needed it, I told her I was trying to identify corporate donors to donate copies of my books to underserved communities. That would include people in suburban, urban, rural areas, uh, people who are going to college but can't afford to buy resources that might help them be more successful at work and Kim offered up a suggestion without hesitation. That struck me because everyone doesn't step forward that way. And I think not having known her long or not knowing her that well, I got the sense that that was the kind of person she was. Now, it wasn't until later when I needed guests for my podcast that um, Kim's name serendipitously came up. And Kim says, oh, Beverly, it's you. I didn't even know you had a podcast. So by happenstance, we connected again. And then I realized reading Kim's bio, what an interesting journey she's had. And I'm going to introduce you to Kim Sorrell and let her tell you about her employment journey. And we're going to talk about her connection to love because she's got a very strong, passionate connection to love. Kim Sorrell, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Beverly, thank you so much for having me. I am thrilled to be here.
0: So now why don't you tell us about how you've arrived at the point you're at? Because you've been you're an author, as I said, you've been an entrepreneur, you've had employment, you do work in nonprofit as a volunteer, I would suspect. I don't think they can afford to pay you.
1: Right. Nope, I volunteer. Exactly. I would volunteer even if they could afford to pay me because that's what I, I would do. I'd rather have the money go out and help people.
0: You know, I did a book review for you and I was struck by the fact that you did a lot of your volunteer work in Haiti and someone very dear to me is from Haiti. And I con- I'm concerned when I know that he and his people are living there and it's, there's so much unrest. Mm-hmm. And I just become anxious when I hear about it in the media.
1: Yeah, right now is not the time to visit Haiti, not the time to be living in Haiti. I have so many friends in Haiti and pray for them every day. It is so tough. I mean, the government is not at full capacity and it's been weakened by the assassination a year and a half ago of their president and Gangs have taken over. There's only so big of a police force, and gangs have taken over some major roads, and kidnappings are at an all time high. And it's not the safest place at all to be right now, and very, very unstable. I always think Haiti is this beautiful place with terrible conditions and low, low, low opportunity. Filled with incredible, wonderful, intelligent, beautiful people.
0: No, um, my godchild's husband is from Haiti and I have other dear friends. I've had clients and um a dear friend's boyfriend is from Haiti. So I've had them in my life for a long time. So when I read when I read your book, I was like, Oh my goodness, I was surprised. I was truly surprised. But, tell us how you started out. How did you get the entrepreneurial bug? because everybody doesn't have that? yeah,
1: well, my dad was an entrepreneur, uh, and so I really kind of was raised up that way. My dad started a plastic bag manufacturing company when I was six years old. And before that he was contracted salesman, So he was doing his own thing, just working on commission. and he grew the company quickly and was in a big building, lots of staff, and put a bag machine in our basement. And if we wanted to go to the movies or we wanted to buy a new pair of shoes or whatever we wanted, we had to go make bags to make enough money to do what we wanted to do.
0: Wow, that was th- good for your father. <laughs> I mean, I and that's so a too. good life lesson. It really is.
1: It really is. You know, we hand out so much and we hand out because we want to. And because we can.
0: And and because we can. can.
1: Absolutely. But there are times that it's okay to earn things. Like, you know, I never wanted to pay my kids to do work around the house. Like they should just work around the house, you know, and and sometimes it's easy to, to resort to paying them, to motivate them. But the motivation should be you get to have dinner tonight and sleep inside. (laughs) So, you know, everybody parents however they want. But that was certainly the way my my parents parented is, you know, of course, you're going to do work around the house. And of course, you're going to earn whatever it is that that you want
0: to get. Right. I mean, it's the way to contribute. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So what was your first job? My first
1: job was other than the
0: bag making.
1: Yeah, <laughs> other than the bag making, my first job was banquet serving. I was a banquet server. And so I did that, which is very hard work, and I did it for a local hotel. And then from there I worked for my dad's company. And then when I was 18, I started my own business.
0: And, and what was
1: that? Well, I went into business with my two brothers. My brothers are just one year older than me and two years older than me. We were bang, 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 like 12 months, 12 months apart. And so we were all going to college at the same time and we needed to make money for college. And so our parents co-signed a loan for us, $50,000 loan. And we bought this old furniture manufacturing building that was empty, been sitting empty for a long time. And we rented space and it was great business. And so then we bought another building, another building, another building. And by the time we sold the bulk of the buildings, we had over 10 million square feet of space that we were releasing.
0: Wow!
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was good business. Yeah. Apparently, yeah, yeah. And then I did other things along the way. There was a piece of land for sale. It was more about grabbing opportunities than thinking ah, I really want to go in the golf business. You know, like I, I didn't really necessarily want to go in the golf business or the. Building business, it was just the opportunities that presented, but there was a piece of land for sale. The bank owned it. It was for sale for a song, and uh, it had a nine hole golf course with a little shack on a hill. So, bought the property, turned it into 18 holes, and then built fine dining and pro shop and event facilities. And then bought another place with event facilities. I bought a grocery store in St. Croix at one point, wow. travel agency, just kind of different things. Some that lasted for years and years and some that I just turned around and sold for more. You know, just so just kind of depending on what it was.
0: You were able to do this not because you were wealthy, but because you must have had a good credit rating. Well. (laughs) Each project, you paid your bills, you established credit, you and your brothers, the business individually, probably also. And each time you were able to get money, whether through loans or people to invest in your projects, because of what I call a proven track record. Mm-hmm, that's and everyone true. doesn't realize that. You know, each step you take along the way, you're building a block, you're establishing a reputation, and it will either serve you well or it won't. Right. You're establishing a reputation and you're establishing
1: a pattern for your life. You know, if you start developing bad habits, it's hard to shake them. But if you start with good habits, it's easier to keep them. So pay your bills on time, you know, make things work. Don't overextend to the point that you're not going to be able to pay your bills. Look ahead, plan ahead, but be ambitious, but plan ahead.
0: Yeah. And everyone doesn't, doesn't realize that. And I don't know how well our public schools, educational institutions do in teaching or fostering financial integrity and, you know, just keeping young people as they move along, just helping them maintain, acquire and maintain good habits to your point. And yeah. I, I don't think we do a good job of that.
1: I think you're absolutely right. I've I've often thought that there should be a class on how to balance a checkbook. Right? Yeah. I mean even if you're not writing checks, money's coming out of somewhere. So make sure that it's the right amount, that you know how much money you have so that you know what you can spend and you don't overextend and and credit cards and the yeah. danger of credit cards, and what they should be used for, and, and the loans that people take on appliances or on whatever, rather than
0: waiting, because we want
1: instant gratification, right? That's, you
0: know, you were, you were in my head because that's what I was, instant gratification. Right, right. And, it, it, and coupled with instant gratification coupled with entitlement. Yes, yes, you know? so true. So a class in high school, talking
1: about these things, at least addressing them, at least putting it in front of kids to give them an idea. I mean, look at the college loans. My word, kids are coming out of school with these heavy, heavy college loans. And you need to be careful when it comes to that kind of stuff. If you're gonna go into a career that it's gonna take you 30 years to pay for the loan, you might not want that particular career.
0: You You may not wanna take that path. It may be that instead of going to that private college you might go to a local community or junior college for 2 years and then transfer to a public college public university and your your carrying charges will be substantially lower than if you went to the a private college and as one of my friends uh sons did he didn't finish he just, and they took out a second mortgage so mm. that he, he could go to the school of his choice.
1: And did I it land him a live. better job than had he gone to community college and a state university?
0: Well, he would have had a better job if he had finished college, period. <laughs> and he did. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. So we want them to have maybe what we didn't have. But they, they, we're not doing them any favors.
1: We're not. We're really not doing them any we're favors. not
0: doing them any favors.
1: Yeah, yeah. So what are you doing now? Well, I sold almost all of my businesses. I've got just a couple left that kind of run themselves. And I am on a mission to tell people the things that I learned about love. I think love is misunderstood. I think there's things that we think are love that are not love. I think there's things done in the name of love, said in the name of love that have nothing to do with love. And I believe that if people truly understand love, what love really is and how to live it, that it changes your life, certainly changed mine a great deal and would change the world.
0: So when you talk about love, you're talking about love generically, or are you talking about romantic love? Or familial love? I'm talking about love for everyone, love
1: for people. So, you know, and maybe your dog, (laughs) the dog, but I'm, I'm talking about love for all people. You should just love everybody. Like that's the best way to live is to just love everybody.
0: Well, there are those who would say that everyone's not lovable.
1: Well, I would disagree with that. What I would say is that we are all unique. Sure. And it's good that we are because if we had a f- world full of Kims, it would be a boring place or we'd all be fighting all the time, one or the other, I don't know what. So it's good that we're all unique. It's okay to have different opinions. It's okay to go different places, to think differently. All of that's okay. You know, I think about like the Mona Lisa. If that ever went up for sale, I don't know how many millions and millions and millions of dollars, who knows, that it would get. Well, it's because it's a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece, and so are you. There's nobody who's ever been exactly like you. There's nobody who ever will be exactly like you. Nobody's walked in your same shoes. You are a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece. So if you recognize yourself as that, which you should, because it's true, you're a -a one-of-a-kind masterpiece, so is everybody else. So is everybody else. And as passionately as you believe in something, somebody else might believe equally as passionately in the opposite of what you believe.
0: And that's okay. You're absolutely right. People can be who they are. Yeah. And that's where we are in life now. I try to explain to my friends you believe what you believe, and they believe what they believe. You're seeing one thing, and they're seeing something else. They're hearing something that you're not hearing. And they're like, but that doesn't make any sense to you. Right. <laughs> to you. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's <laughs> so true. I try to stay out of it. <laughs> I do. So now tell me about Love Is.
1: Well, a few years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. And oh. four months later, my husband was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And he oh. passed away six weeks after that. Yes. And it made me question some things. Like, I loved my husband. We had a great relationship. I wanted to make sure my life going forward, that the life that I didn't pick, you know, without him, I thought we'd be old, you know, sitting on a front porch drinking lemonade together in our 90s. And instead, I was in my 40s and alone. And I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. And so I decided I was going to go on a year-long quest to discover, find, seek out the true meaning of love. And what did you find? I found that there are so many things about love that that we don't know, or at least I sure didn't know, that I wasn't taught. And there are things that just one or two of the things that I learned would change people's lives. I used a 2,000-year-old poem, that you hear at a lot of weddings, love is patient, love is kind, does not envy, does not boast, right? And I took one word a month and really focused on it. What is love that is patient? What is love that is kind? And what I figured out is you put love is or love is not in front of anything and it completely changes the meaning of the word. So there were so many, I thought, oh, this is easy. I know what patience is. You know what patience is, right? Well, love that is patient is something entirely different. And month after month, I found the same thing to be true.
0: Wow. So now how can people find your book?
1: Well, it's on Amazon. It's it's in brick and mortar stores like Barnes and Noble. It's on all the online booksellers. Love is. It's got a dark blue cover with a great big white. Love is. And so it's easy to find. And I'm the, literally the only Kim Sorrell spelled my way in the entire world because it has way too many letters. And <laughs> so R-R-E-L-L-E, two R's, two E's, two L's, but my website is com. So In Love Is is the name of the book. So it's pretty easy to remember. And it's not a unicorns and rainbows kind of a love book, not a romantic story of some sort. It's the real things that happened to me when I was in Haiti or wherever I happened to be at the time, but most of the time I was in Haiti. And so I was chased by a motorcycle gang. I got lost on a mile high mountain. I slept outside with tarantulas and
0: snakes. And so now, wait a minute. How did you? How did you conjure up enough grit to do that? Well, I have
1: a really good friend who says that I am the dumbest smart person she knows. <laughs> and unfortunately, I think that's true. Like I can be. uh I just trust. I trust people. I assume the best. And if something happens, I deal. But I assume the best in people. And so I just kind of boldly go where no one has gone before.
0: <laughs> when I read your book, I was like, she's sleeping on... Was it? It wasn't the floor, but wherever you were sleeping as you were... Because the, that morning you were going to start packing up stuff to send to someplace, And I was like, she's sleeping on the floor or in a shack? or," And I'm like, <laughs> really? I don't think I could do that. Yeah. I, I, I like creature comforts. If I'm not comfortable, I'm not only irritable and unhappy. I'm not a joy to be around. (laughs) But I was taken by how matter of fact you were about the less than desirable environment you were in, and you were more focused on your mission. I don't, you know, and I was thinking, it's almost like Mission Impossible. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like they're, they're getting all this stuff together to, you know, to send to the people who need it. But it was just, it was off-putting. And I think there were some, I don't think there were tarantulas, but there were some critters. Oh, that there's, were- there's tarantulas. There are, are
1: tarantulas. So, yeah, which uh, that certainly scared me when I needed to sleep outside. Because I'm not wild about tarantulas, but they're more like a mouse, really, when it comes down to it, than a spider. Like they're not out to get you, you know, they're, they're going to stay away from people as much as they can. And they're nocturnal. You don't see them that often because they're. But if
0: they're nocturnal, they're out when you're sleeping. I know, but you're sleeping. So
1: then you don't know that they're out.
0: Oh, God. You're a gutsy woman. So what drives you to do what you do for Haiti?
1: I love people. I truly love people. I truly love everybody. I'm not a person who says, you know, I love everybody, but those darn Republicans, or I love everybody, but those darn Democrats, you know, I just truly love everybody. And I see the need. I've been going, my first trip to the Dominican Republic, to a very impoverished area in the Dominican Republic was in 1998. And Ever since then I've been a part or running a nonprofit organization and helping as much as I possibly can. You know, I, I have a friend actually who right this minute is in Africa. And where she is, it is some of the worst conditions in the world. And like hospital conditions that are just so poor, like two, three babies in one incubator. And it's really not oh. even an incubator. It's just a warm bed and No oxygen. So if anybody needs oxygen, they're just going to die. No oxygen. I mean, the things that seem so simple for us, right? And I just always wonder, why is it that I let my tomatoes go rotten in the refrigerator and there are people starving? It makes no sense. We have so much. We have so much. And I believe, you know, when you're given a lot, a lot is expected from you. Like share, share the wealth, like spread it around.
0: During COVID, I was uh, almost became obsessed with not letting anything go to waste because there were so many people who had so much less than I had. Not that I waste food anytime, but I just became more focused on eating even something that I didn't really want to eat. Not that it was bad or anything. I didn't really want it. I had a taste for something else. And ordinarily I would have just gone to whatever I wanted, you know, Mm -hmm. had a taste for. It's in my refrigerator, why not? But I would force myself, and I mean force, well, you know, you ate that yesterday, you can eat it again today. It'll be gone. You won't have and but if you cook that you're cooking something else and then you'll have two leftovers. You know what I mean? That was yes. the way I was thinking. And COVID just really helped me focus on what was important. I kept sending money to feed the children. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like no child should be hungry. hmm Yeah. Nobody absolutely. should be hungry in our country, but certainly not a child.
1: Right. Right. And, you know, I hear people sometimes they'll say, well, there are so many crooked crooked organizations or organizations that aren't really spending the money the way they say. The flip side of that is there are organizations who are doing exactly what they say they're doing. And all you got to do is scope out the right organizations to help or do something yourself. You know, I think everybody can do something, do something, do something. And it doesn't mean you have to go to Haiti. You don't have to go to Africa. You don't have to necessarily go overseas. You don't necessarily have to give money to an organization. But how about helping out in a soup kitchen or helping the homeless in some other way in your city or helping your neighbor who maybe is a widowed woman like, like I am and you know, gets taken advantage of by mechanics sometimes or whatever. But whatever you're gifted in, you know, whatever you're passionate about or gifted in, put it to use to help people.
0: And that's what, you know, that's what I wanted to do through my book, because I listened to, especially during the pandemic, people talking about the great resignation and how people were not going back into the office. And they were saying, you know, to their employer, I don't want to go back in, or I should be promoted. And I'm thinking to myself, You have to be careful. (laughs) You really have to be careful. But you will not have a job. You're not irreplaceable. And I'm going to be talking to some people about corporate sponsorship. And if they buy the books, I'll donate my time to deliver the webinars based on the books. And the donors can also have one or two of their employees interviewed on my podcast. Mm -hmm. So it's a win-win, you know, and I think that's another thing that people don't think of. And it's not just young people. If you're looking for work, if you aren't sure of what you want to do, you need to create a win-win situation so people will help you. And if they help you, first and foremost, always thank them.
1: Mm -hmm. Be grateful. Be grateful, grateful, you know. And I love your book, by the way. It's so good. And it's so practical. And it's stuff that people are not hearing. Right.
0: It almost is like common sense. It is. Common sense is not commonly held. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. It just isn't. Yeah. So what you're doing, though, is you are serving people. And, you know, someone else said that to me. I said they wanted to interview me for their podcast. I said, really? Why? I'm not interesting. And so she said, but you are. And (laughs) I'm I'm thinking, no, I'm not. not. Not at all. But the path that I've taken doesn't work for everybody. Education was very important to my father because he only had an eighth grade education. And he wanted his children to be educated. And so he sent all three of us to college, and my brothers were not having it. They didn't stay. (laughs) (laughs) It was a waste of my father's money, Mm. but I loved it. I've always liked to read. I love to read. I love to learn. And it was like just something for me to do. And even going to law school, Much later, I worked a full-time job during the day and went to law school at night. And I did okay. (laughs) You know what I mean? Right. But it's not for everyone. That's not the path I would suggest that every, that I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. It takes sacrifice. It takes commitment to hard work and just throwing yourself into it. And because of my personal situation, I was able to do that. Everyone isn't. I didn't have children. I didn't have a husband. When you have a family, there are things you have to do. And law school requires for you to be successful, there are things you have to do. And there may be conflicts and you just can't, you know, you don't want to find yourself in a position where you you have to choose and you choose the wrong way.
1: Right. And by the way, you're extremely interesting. And so I totally see why someone would want you on their podcast, And you're absolutely right. I mean, we're not all wired the same, which is good because we says. also need some doctors and we need teachers and we need chefs. We need everything. and we're we're not all wired the same. So to exactly. figure out your passion is an important thing to do, you know, to figure out what it is that you're made to do. You know, why are you here?
0: And you don't have to stick with the if you're pat whatever you were passionate about at one point in your life, that passion may turn into something else. And you're not wedded forever to that one path. And that's another thing. I mean, you can okay, you can pivot. That's the new word. You can you can pivot. You can do something else. You can do something that you know, I I watch the Food Network and I think that even if you don't like to cook, if you're looking for a job, whoever's listening to this, if you're looking for a job, watch the Food Network, the stories these chefs have about rising from the ashes, you know the path they've taken, the bumps in the road, and how they've overcome adversity, and how they food saved them. It's just an inspirational story, more than one. And I use some of them, you know, in in the book. And I I recommend in my book, check out the Food Network. You'll learn about food, you'll learn about preparation, and you'll hear how people have overcome adversity. You can do it. Mm -hmm.
1: Right. I think that's part of it, too, is having the right mindset. And you point that out, that you are capable and you're worthy. You know, exactly. I think sometimes people think, well, I could never do that. You know, who am I that I could do that? Well, you're you. And yes. and you can. You know, you you can do whatever it is that you feel called to do, that you feel like you want to do, you're passionate about something, go for it.
0: Go for it. The other thing people are afraid to do is to ask for help. But you have to ask in the right way. I mean, you know, it can't be a demand. <laughs> <laughs> you need to be mindful, as I said, to thank someone. And a lot of times, people don't thank. You know, it's like they take it for granted that this is what you know you're going to do. You're going you're to help them. And I didn't realize how serious it was until I was watching a PBS uh, show, and there were hiring managers being interviewed for some job-related programming they were doing. And this one woman said, I interviewed a woman for a position, and she was excellent. She was excellent. And she didn't send me a thank you. And I didn't follow up with her. I threw her resume in the trash. And I said, you know, I bet people don't know that.
1: People don't know. She might not have known that that's the right thing to do is to send a thank you. I mean, if she didn't know it, she didn't know it, right? I mean, it's just the truth. You know, people are taught different things. We walk different lives and don't all know how important gratitude is. I mean, uh, shoot, I'm grateful for the people that made the carpet that my feet are on right now because it's nice and soft. I'm grateful for the people that constructed my house, for the people that brought the trees down to get the wood planks. And we have so much to be grateful for, so many things to be grateful for. And the more you're grateful, the more you realize what gratefulness does to you. And one of the words in the love is and love is not, you know, whatever poem is, love does not boast. And it's exactly what you're talking about. It is when we boast, it's like we know everything. Like we we know better, we're better than, we're smarter than. And as soon as you elevate yourself above other people, that is not love. You're missing love. As soon as you try to elevate yourself, well, part of boasting also is not asking for help, thinking that you know it all, or you don't want to be that humble. You don't want to seem like you need help. We all need help. We, we all need help. help. And people love to help people. They when do. You, at, yes. I mean, when you're it in really college did. and you go to your professor and ask for help, you're the teacher's pet. Yeah. I mean, they love it when you ask for help. Don't just sit there and not know what's going on in the class. Go ask for help. Exactly. And,
0: no, and right. business.
1: There's you're people right. that have done what you're trying to do, you know, and w- whatever walk it is, whatever it is that you're doing.
0: And, you know, the demographics, there's so many different demographics in the workplace now, and it's an opportunity to share information and learn from each other. But, you know, a lot of times, to your point, people think they know more, whether they're the older people or whether they're the newbies coming in. You know, oh, I know this tech. They don't know tech. I know tech. They don't know. They're slow. Oh, they don't know how to do this. This is They're not going to be successful. Come together and share. Just share. Share what you know. And it enhances you and your skill set, and it ha- enhances the other person's skill set. It's a win win.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I mean, they might know tech, but you know gratitude. You need both. I mean, you know, and gratitude really is more important than tech. So, yes learn from people and grow together. And it's the most wonderful thing. Like, I love being a part of a mastermind where it's like-minded people in different walks of life, but just encouraging each other and and being able to ask questions of each other and ask for advice and and get it. You know, it's good. That's a good thing. That's not a negative thing. That's a good thing.
0: Good thing. Well, we've run out of time, but I want you to tell people you've told them how to find your book. You're not only an author; you are also a speaker. You have a website. Tell them how to get to, how to reach you on your website, so they may want you to come and speak.
1: Yes. Yeah. Well, kimsorel.com, and again, it's two R's, two E's, two L's. Ridiculous. Lots and lots of letters. S O R R E L L E. com. and I'm a love coach. I've got that on there as well available. And I've got a 14 day free 14 day love challenge that if you sign up for it on my website, I will send you for free a WWLD wristband. What would love do? Because if you can answer anything that way, you're going to be going the right path, doing the right thing. And so, yes, I'm available to speak and I'm available to help anybody any way that I can. I love connecting with people.
0: Wow. I appreciate the referral you gave me. I think I messed up though. Cause I think I got the woman's name wrong when I sent the first one, the first email, but I sent the second one. And I, in the subject line, I said, I'm so sorry. I think I used the wrong name. I apologize, but I'm going to follow up with her again. You know, it's been a while. You never know what people are going through. Everybody's got something going on. Yep, that's so true. I'm nothing if not persistent. But and thank you again for that referral. I sincerely appreciate it. My and thank pleasure. you for spending time with me today. I appreciate that too.
1: This was a great time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for everything that you do, Beverly. You are helping and touching so many lives and I just have deep appreciation for you.
0: Thank you. You're so kind. I will continue to move forward. <laughs> I'll see you Wednesday. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support, and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at... B.A. Williams at your employment matterscom My book, Get the Job Done, is available on Amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences.